Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. A very happy Thanksgiving to all of you and your families. I hope that you all eat lots and lots of food and find lots and lots of things to be grateful for. We are finishing up our November sermon series called The Power of a Grateful Heart. This time of year is such a great reminder to give thanks for all that we see and all that we don't see. But let's give thanks all year around turning our hearts of entitlement to hearts of gratitude. Well, welcome to worship. If it's your first time worshiping with us, a very special welcome to you. I pray that you feel as welcome as you are. And feel free to check out everything going on in the life of Tower Hill at towerhillchurch.org. You can see all the upcoming events. we got some great Christmas opportunities coming up, and we hope you'll join us for those. Well, we're now in the last of our sermon series about gratitude. In this series, we called Thank You, The Power of a Grateful Heart. And every year we talk about gratitude when it comes to be around Thanksgiving time. And and that's good because I think it reminds us of what really matters most. It's really easy to let all the things going on in life, especially a time like this, like none of us have been through with the pandemic, where we start to not feel very thankful. We start to not feel very grateful for what's going on in our lives. And, and, and yeah, sometimes, you know, like we're counting our blessings and and all of that, but it's really, really easy for us to go from gratitude to ingratitude. And when that happens, it really messes us up. It messes up our relationship with God. It messes up our relationship with one another. And because here's the thing about when you have a gratitude problem, a gratitude problem often leads to an entitlement problem. Then it becomes, well, I'm not grateful because I believe God owes me more. I deserve more than what I'm getting. And that's a very dangerous and unhealthy spiritual place to be. And it's an unhealthy emotional place to be in. Just think about if you have kids, you know, and they're, they're not very grateful for something or they feel entitled. And what happens to them, the results are not good. Well, the same with us in our spiritual lives. Because here's the thing, it's hard to give thanks when your cup feels half empty. Right? Half empty, half full. If it feels half empty, it's hard to give thanks. Because you're thinking about the the half of the glass that you don't have more than the half of the glass that you do. And what happens is, we've talked about this over the last few weeks, is is I construct a wall of ingratitude between me and God based on my circumstances. Each little brick of my pain or, or suffering that I'm going through. I stack those bricks up and when I stack those bricks up, my gratitude goes down because all I'm seeing is the pain. I'm not even thinking about what God has for me on the other side. I'm just thinking about all the things I am not happy about, all the things I'm not grateful for. And thank God, Jesus, like the walls of Jericho, can knock all of those down, and he's the only one who can. And he can reset us so that we can realize, hey, no matter what my circumstance, if I have Jesus, I have everything I need and more. My cup isn't half empty, it's constantly overflowing. Yes, even when times are hard, even in the middle of a pandemic, it doesn't make life easier, but there is a deep and abiding joy because of my faith that changes how I approach even the most difficult circumstances. So we're continuing to talk about this and and the power of gratitude in our lives. And here's what I want to talk about today. Gratitude not only changes how I think, I've noticed, but it's really revealed by what I do. In other words, I could feel grateful, I could feel thankful, but 
don't know, it kind of really doesn't matter unless it shows up in my behavior. I think real gratitude, real thanks to God shows up in my behavior. If, if I, you did something for me and I was so, so thankful, I would do something in return, right? I would at least send an email. Maybe I would seek you out personally and be like, oh man, thank you so much for that, for what you did or for that gift or whatever it is. There's a reason we write thank you cards. You do something when you are grateful. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. When you are grateful to God for what he's given you, what he's done in your life, you do something. This is how gratitude works. Now, we're just a few days away from, I think, the absolute best holiday. Thanksgiving is my favorite. I love Thanksgiving. What's not to love? Faith, food, and football. I mean, it gets family, but it might be in that order. I don't know. Faith, food, and football. And the thing about Thanksgiving that I love is it's not just the giving thanks. It's not just the being together, but it's the aroma. You know, you walk into the house and it just smells of deliciousness. You know, you got turkeys, you got pies, you got spices, you got mashed potatoes. I mean, everything a growing boy needs to enjoy life. And I was thinking about just the, the aroma of Thanksgiving and how it's like, it's like in your clothes by the end of the day, you know what I mean? You go home smelling you know, smell like a half-baked turkey. And interestingly, Paul uses this idea to say that, you know, there is an aroma of the Christian life where if you're living your life right in the way of Jesus, people should kind of like smell it on you. I mean, it's, it gives off, gives off a fragrance. More of that in a, in a minute. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and see what he says about how gratitude's supposed to show up in how we live our lives and what that really means. So it starts out, verse 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. I also like other versions or other translations that say, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God a fragrant offering, an aroma to the Heavenly Father, that we are supposed to live our lives in that way. But I think it's really important, whenever you're reading Scripture and you see a word like therefore, like we just saw, right? Therefore. Well, it's important to look back and see, well, what's, what was the argument before that? What does he mean? Like, what did he set up to say and then say therefore? It's a great little tip when you're reading your Scripture and you see the word therefore. Well, go try to find the therefore. What's the argument that Paul is making? And if you just go back a few verses to chapter 4, verse 22, uh, this is the therefore. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life, your life before Jesus, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, right, follow God's example as dearly loved children. Be imitators of God. In other words, if you hope to live your life this way, to put off the old self and put on the new self, therefore, you have to imitate Jesus Christ. You have to live in such a way as he did, as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When I was growing up, uh, you know, in my house, the Beatles were pretty much on a constant rotation on my mom's record player. 
She had every album. She, and she prided herself in that. And uh, oftentimes, you know, she would have playing, I don't know how many times I heard this song, but it's so much, it's like a fabric of my being. I mean, it's just, it's woven into my DNA. And that's uh, what was the pop song, um, All You Need Is Love. All You Need Is Love. And, you know, it's such a memorable song that, I mean, everybody knows this song. And it's a very simple but kind of circular, you know, verse phrasing. All you need is love. Love is all you need. And as I was thinking about this, you know, the Beatles are right. In a way, of course, like, I don't know that they were, well, I know that they weren't really talking about Christian love, per se. But the idea is love should be guiding our lives. Now, love in the way that the world offers it maybe isn't so hot all the time. I mean, it's, it's messed up with human emotion and sin and mixed motivations and failed promises and you know, broken relationships. It's got its good, but it's got its ugly. Um, but love in the way of Jesus Christ is really all you need. I think the Beatles were onto something. Love is all you need. And if you walk in the way of love, just as he says here in verse 2, if you walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, then you start to figure out what this means to live the Christian life. I want to take a look here on this second verse. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave. Just as Christ loved us and gave. He didn't just love us in his head. He then did something. He gave. There's an action that's attached to the gratitude. There's an action that's attached to the love. And that's what we have to remember because it's so easy to make the Christian life just simply something that we nod our heads to or we believe in our heads, but it never translates to our hands and feet. We never do anything with it. So what does it mean to sort of put that love into action, that gratitude? And that gratitude and love for the Father, I mean, they go hand in hand, right? And usually we think about maybe serving, maybe you volunteer at lunch break, which is if you're out of town and you're watching this, it's our local, one of the local missions that we sponsor. You know, maybe you're delivering food or you're, you're helping in some kind of mission project. And yes, that is good and important. But it goes beyond the occasional mission opportunity as well, doesn't it? It's kind of like, you know, what it says engraved on this coffee, coffee cup, what good shall I do this day? In other words, it's not just about my gratitude showing up in occasional mission opportunities, but how does it show up every single day in my life? How do I love God so much that I give? How do I show my gratitude by putting that gratitude into action. Because gratitude's really revealed by what I do. What does that look like? Gratitude changes how we think, but it's revealed by what we do. Let's go back to our verse here, verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, Do not be partners with them. 
I love that there's a distinction here in verse 7. For a minute, we think he's talking about us. Because this is, this is the state of our human nature we were born into. But he's making a distinction here in verse 7. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Those who haven't put their faith in Jesus. Those who haven't been made new and put on the new self clothed to be like God in righteousness and holiness. The, the new self that, that smells of Jesus Christ, has the aroma of Jesus Christ. Basically, what he's saying is, you're not that person anymore, so stop acting like it. Stop. That's not who you are anymore. Talk about aromas. That, that aroma is a stench. That does not smell good. <laughs> that is not who God designed you to be. Therefore, Stop. Don't do it anymore. This isn't how you show your gratitude. This is how you show ingratitude. In fact, ingratitude is also revealed by what we do or fail to do, for that matter. What do I mean? Well, uh, you know, you're going to hear your mother's voice um, when I tell you this, but it's sort of like when you're kids and you mess something up. And, you know, I remember a time when, uh, you know, I'd, I'd kind of maybe stuck some play-doh on the wall of my room you know how the play-doh just kind of dries up and stays there for an eternity or you know maybe maybe kids just make a huge mess or something and and your mom will bust out this line and you you are probably gonna know it before I say it I work I take care of you I put clothes on your back I give you food I do all these special things for you get ready and this is the thanks I get now, as a kid, you know, I don't mean to be ungrateful by my actions. I didn't think that my putting Play-Doh on the wall or, you know, making a mess was showing my ingratitude to my mother. That wasn't a connection that I made. But when I think about it, she was right. This is true with, with how we live our lives now. Our ingratitude comes out in our unwillingness to be the children of God we've been created to be. The unwillingness to do something with our gratitude. What that actually shows is, it's like God has every right to say, you know, I saved you from sin and death. I've given you everything that you've ever needed and more. I have an eternal place for you with me in my presence. And this is the thanks I get? This isn't thanks at all. The verse continues, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light, I think that's interesting. He mixes metaphors here, but it works. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Gratitude changes how we think, but it's revealed by what we do. When we live our lives gratefully, we walk in the way of love. We have that aroma of Christ. That's how we show our gratitude to God. As we review what we've talked about the last few weeks, I think really, hopefully, this helps you understand how this comes together with what the Christian life is really all about. We said in the first week that there's a big difference between the healing and being made well, the story of the lepers, that Jesus makes this distinction. We can all be cleansed of our sin, but being made well is something that requires faith and trust, and I'm going to follow, and I'm going to choose gratitude. And, you know, the new good news of the gospel is no matter how far away you've been from God, right? Story of the prodigal son, story of Zacchaeus, 
Gratitude can lead you back to the Father's heart because gratitude leads to repentance and repentance leads to forgiveness. And our faith makes us well when we share the Father's heart, when we care about what God cares about, when we do the things that God wants us to do. When we lead with gratitude, we find ourselves being imitators of God. Just like the story of the prodigal son, right? You could be lost in a couple of ways. Whenever you're not sharing the Father's heart, you could be lost. You could be away from God. It's about sharing the Father's heart, which requires faith. And of course, this is all tied in with our gratitude. And then, of course, our gratitude is revealed by our actions, by what we do. Give thanks. Maybe it should be give thanks. It's doing something attached with our gratitude. As we close this series and this message today, I want to ask you something. Which aroma is your life given off? Gratitude or ingratitude? That's tough. That's tough because I, if you're like me, uh, it depends on the day. I don't know if I really want to answer that question. It's okay. But I think it's important. It's important to be reminded of what this Christian life is all about. The power of a grateful heart. And maybe it's, it's I mean, listen, it's been a tough season. And maybe you're, you've had a hard time with this. And maybe you don't know where to start. But I do think it's as easy as two words. Thank you. Amen. Amen.